0: Welcome to Caravan of the Heart. We are troubadours of divine bliss, a touring folk music duo, inspirational speakers, retreat leaders, and advocates for this planet and its people. On this bliss cast, we have heart-to-heart conversations
1: around taking care of ourselves, taking care of each other, and taking care of this sacred
0: earth, all while freeing our dreams
1: and moving as one to amplify amplify love love in in all things. things.
0: On today's show, hear the mystic tale of a poet in northern England awakened by troubadours in the middle of the night.
1: We dance on tables and answer the call to free the wild woman in us. We find when we're able to be our authentic selves in the world, we can create anything, and that's where the magic starts. Find the small thing worth the gift of your hope and what is courage but hope mixed with love. We plant an herb garden, and we get more than blooms. We're given myths, healing, and wise companions on our journey. We see what can grow in the broken ground, Of grief and find that life grows not in spite of the broken places but because of them. Some seeds require disturbance in order to grow. If we cut out the things that hurt, then we
0: also cut out all the joy.
1: Life arrives, reaching for the light, bathing in tears, reckless and determined to grow wild and lush. Your mind, amplify your love. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Welcome to Caravan of the
0: Heart. I'm Amy Smiley. I'm Renee Ananda. On today's show, we are with our beloved Bliss sister dear friend and insatiable muse, poet, author, and creative activist, Victoria
1: Bennett, whom we call Vic. Vic's writing spans nonfiction, memoir, poetry, and games-based storytelling. Vic is the recipient of a Northern Debut Award, Northern Promise Award, the Andrew Waterhouse Award, and she's been long-listed for the Nan Shepherd Prize and the Penguin Right Now program. Vic founded Wild Women Press in 1999 to
0: support rural women writers in her community and curates the Global Wild Woman Web Project, an inclusive online space focusing on nature, connection, and creativity.
1: When not juggling writing full-time and a genetic illness, she can be found where the wild weeds grow. And we are so excited to plant ourselves within All My Wild Mothers, her debut memoir of motherhood, loss, and an apothecary garden. Vic shares stone by stone,
0: seed by seed, life grows not in spite of broken places, but because of them. Today, we look forward to a story of radical hope, to reclaiming our wild spaces, and letting the light into those broken places as we transform the rubble into a garden with her.
1: Welcome, Vic. Vic!
0: Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have to howl together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. How
0: sweet to be
2: with you. Oh, it is, it is. It is such a, oh, it's just such a blessing.
1: Well, we have to let our listeners in on the big secret that we have been in love with Vic Bennett for 20 years now. How long has it been? Yeah, it's a couple of Lifetimes. We met through the mystic realm. Yeah, I
0: know. So Vic, we cannot go any further without inviting the listeners into how we got connected with each other would you be willing to talk with us a little bit about that? Because it's just such a magical story about how we've come into each other's lives and deepened over the years.
2: Uh, I think it's one of those stories where it combines sort of the mystic with the um, the 21st century because uh, I, <laughs> I just had the word troubadour, doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. I had, I had the word troubadour come in my head and it was like, it, I, it was just such a powerful thing about. The, the journey of the troubadour and 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 the path of the troubadour. So, with that in mind, I, I went online and googled yeah. troubadour. <laughs> <laughs> How our mm. great things happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it led me to you. And uh, at the time, I was I was um, I was uh, running the wild women salons in the Lake District in uh, Cumbria, England, and in a in a fairly run down but beautiful manor Mm -hmm. house that I had a flat in and and I read your story and I just knew that that the troubadours of divine bliss had to meet the wild women of (laughs) company it was an inevitable meeting (laughs) so I took a chance And I emailed you, didn't I? And I said, would you like to, I mean, okay, you're in Kentucky, but would you like to come all the way to Cumbria (laughs) (laughs) for the weekend?
0: (laughs) And what was so fabulous was we Mm. had just begun planning a tour of the UK. And so this just felt like affirmation. Mm -hmm. So we accepted your invitation.
1: It was so meant to be. It's so entwined in destiny. and. I love that uh, there was a three in the morning involved. You know, you, always your inspiration when you're uh, awakened at three in the morning, and also the fact that you had come across that that silver spoon in the thrift store with, with the <laughs> yeah, engraving yeah, 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 of yeah, troubadour yeah. in it, and uh, we could not resist the invitation and felt our, our, our hearts calling, as we encourage <laughs> our listeners to do, and so we followed our bliss to Cumbria and attended the salon. And gosh, it was Bohemian Rhapsody is what it, it was. It was
0: incredible because we, <laughs> we, well, you greeted us. You had our room all decked out with
1: flowers. Mm-hmm.
0: The fire was lit. Red there velvet everywhere. Fresh fruit. was. Oh my God. And And then <laughs> just to just get to experience the inspiration of your poetry mm. and all the wild women and yes. share in the s- salon and make
1: music. Gorgeous and just, creative space of the common people and Simon playing the grand piano and us lying underneath the piano giggling. listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, we fell in love and found our, our bliss sister and we've been connected ever since. Yeah. and. With the release oh, of dear. your debut memoir, we could not be more proud and excited. Oh, it's
0: so true. It's, it's so
1: good. you're such an incredible inspiration. You're, the story of your life and and how you've become a garden and grown through the hard times, through the rough fertilizer you turned the the <laughs> The shit into something that could grow it beautiful shines. things. Yeah, I mean, and how you've just woven this story of your life with the herbs that grow in your garden and the and the folklore and the story and the myths and the healing balm uh, that they create. Just extraordinary. It's called All My Wild Mothers. And it's it's such a touching
0: mm. and tender book, Vic. You know, we feel really grateful to know your story. And we've actually walked within your garden. Mm -hmm. And we're really, really thrilled to share the inspiration of your story today. And so while we know it on a microscopic level, we want to zoom out a little for our listeners. As Amy said, this is your first full-length book and memoir. And it was written over a period of 10 years, whenever you could weave some writing in between the hours of motherhood and caregiving and grief. And during that time, you experienced many things. You experienced birth and death, motherhood and grief, as I said. And within all this transition through life's challenges, you allowed the transformation, though. And it has been such inspiration for us to witness the metamorphosis of this pile of rubble, which became a beautiful apothecary garden one that mirrored your life in many, many ways. So will you take a moment to introduce us?
2: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I always find this bit the hard bit. (laughs) Maybe you could share
1: something from the book.
2: I tell you what, I'll share the the author's note I put in because that's my message to anyone reading it. Is that okay? Mm. Yes, please. (laughs) When I started writing these words, I did not know that they would become a book. Just as I did not know that the weeds we planted would one day be an apothecary garden. In the broken ground of grief, I wanted to see what could grow. We try so hard to cut out the things that do not fit the idealized garden of this life the loneliness, the loss, the struggle of it all that sometimes we forget to see the beauty that it holds. And it is so beautiful. So plant the seed, find the small thing worth the gift of your hope whatever else comes trust that it will grow even if you do not see it flower
0: mm. i love mm. that there's so much trust mm-hmm.
2: i put that at the beginning of the book because because it is a it is an offering the book it, it's an offering up of of the garden that i planted but it's also a call and an invitation to to others and to myself, to continue planting those seeds
1: mm-hmm.
2: and to trust because we can't guarantee happy endings. We can't guarantee perfection, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> it would be a very short and dull life if we could. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, all we need to do really is... is is keep planting those seeds and keep nurturing the ground that the seeds go into, and and just trust that that that's enough. That that's where it grows from. Um, even if we can't see when we're doing it, what it's going to turn into. Just like I couldn't see that the small bits of writing that I did in those in those moments between <laughs> between the things that life mm-hmm. asked of me would turn into a book that I could share here with you.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And what a book it is! And it goes full circle. I, I love how you how you end the book too. It's it's exactly uh, what you're saying. It's such a, a perfect way to to tie it all in. You say onto the waiting soil as scattered seeds, and remember what the garden taught me when nothing else is certain. It is wise to return to the small things that grow. Mm. Such beautiful wisdom and. I know that's what has seen you through throughout your life.
0: Especially in these years of so much transition and loss and challenges. It's just been beautiful to watch you, Vic, just trust, allow the gifts. You've been so generous in sharing your journey. And I know as us being present in your life and knowing so many of the details we made so many discoveries because you share so intimately what you've received because you opened up and allowed those broken places to to grow beautiful things in fact you say life grows not in spite of the broken places but because of them And so how would you say that's been true for you?
2: I think in the kind of the the, the hardest part of grief, it hurts so much, mm-hmm. and I wanted to try and run from that and to to be able to stop that pain. But at the same time, I had given birth. I think I need to contextualize this probably. Mm-hmm. My eldest sister uh, drowned in a canoeing accident just short of three months before my son was born, or well, two months. And uh, her death and his birth are intimately entwined. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And the grief, in in trying to shut myself off from the grief, I realized I was also shutting myself off from this life that was growing with him. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I needed to do something about that. I needed to change that because his life was passing. You know, there's nothing like watching a, a small person grow to remind us how, how fleeting our lives are and how fragile they are Mm -hmm. and i i wanted to be present in his life and i knew really that i knew what i had always known but it was trying to push out that that if we cut out the things that hurt and we cut out the things that are difficult a bit like the weeds then we also cut out all the joy what grows not in spite of what's broken but because of it is 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 because of that by by sitting in the grief by sitting with the grief i was able to find joy and that was true of the process of writing by by entering into those experiences and those memories and those moments more fully i was able to also enter into the same moments of joy and of growth and of of love and and that was kind of the, more than writing a book, the task I set myself was to just be present in in every, every experience because the memories will happen in present tense. We don't remember in the past tense. We remember in the present tense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wanted to be present in all of those things.
0: Well, we watched that unfold. You really have come in to this balance of living with the joy of life and the pain of death at the same time. And that has been incredible to witness. I know you said being present. I know expressing yourself and writing it down is huge, but you did go through a time where you lost your words during that space of time as well, didn't you?
2: Mm. I shared creativity with my, my young son. In in sort of nurturing that space around him, but my own creativity was
0: mm-hmm.
2: felt pointless. Actually, it felt empty uh, and hollow, and and mm-hmm. something that I couldn't enter into. I found myself coming up against metaphors for creativity, particularly um, feminine creativity, uh, mm-hmm. around sort of. Um, Allowing yourself to go with the flow and the waters of life and mm. uh, the kind of river within, and, and all of these metaphors that were, were associated with water and flowing. But of course, I'd experienced the loss of my sister in a river. So for me, water was no longer something that flowed. It was no longer something that gave life. Or creativity, it was something that took away and something that represented death and endings. So I had this point in my life where, and it's the only time in my life, where I wasn't able to connect with my words. I wasn't able to connect with any form of creativity for myself. And it was a very lonely time because of it.
0: I imagine because the wound has to weep, and it was very difficult to open all of that up. But when it
1: did, then beautiful things grew beautiful from things, the yeah. that broken ground of, of grief. Did the garden and tending the garden that that helped open up uh, a part of yourself to and to connect to your creativity? Was that an aspect of that that it helped? free part of yourself. Yeah. Talk about a metaphor.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the garden in itself was my act of creativity. I didn't really expect mm-hmm. anything else. I had no expectations of it. When we moved into this home, which was a, I don't know whether the term is the same in the US, but it was a social housing estate, which means mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. like um, welfare housing mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. with um, low income. And we moved into there as a new build estate on what had formerly been an industrial ground. So an industrial ground for 200 years as well, not just a new industrial ground. Right. So <laughs> underneath this sort of thin layer of topsoil, there was just buried layers of, on the top, there was the buried layers of the industrial buildings and waste that had been basically flattened and put underneath the topsoil. And under that, there was 200 years of of stoneworks. So rubble and rock, literally. <laughs> layer upon layer of it as far as you could go and we moved into this house it was our new beginning it had to be and I looked at this garden and I just thought I need to see if something can grow because so many things felt like they died and were dying and 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 my son and I started but we soon realized that as soon as we (laughs) stuck a spade in that that it was just rock uh, so yeah talk about a metaphor um. yeah
0: so how did, how did you create a garden in the rubble without resources and with those conditions and what was revealed there you know i, I know you found treasures um literally and <laughs> and, 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 and internally, internally yeah. as well i
2: mean, it, it was you know a lot of the stuff that came up was was waste you know but we actually needed to repurpose everything so we did we had no we had no money we had no funds you know we were at sort of you know subsistence level income at that point and mm-hmm. and so we kind of had some rules for it that were that were driven by what we wanted to create but also by need so it had to be free <laughs> and it had to be sustainable so so it had to do something in return yeah it wasn't going to just be a pretty garden it had to give us something it had to be sustainable and it had to be something that I could manage with limited resources of time and energy as well Mm -hmm. and it had to be something that was expressive of my son as well so you know he was very much a part of of dreaming this garden into being which is why there were no straight lines anywhere (laughs) <laughs> Four-year-olds so, proud lines. Of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. so Oh yeah! So
1: so gorgeous, a magical realm you all created. Just and and it won the neighborhood award for best garden, didn't it?
2: It did. It did. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's <laughs>
0: that's quite a feat.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a, a moment of glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and so this this garden as you were planting it you're learning and growing together with your son discovering things about yourselves but also about the healing properties of these plants were you educating yourself as you were going along uh, did you have an extensive knowledge of these plants beforehand
2: oh no I knew some of it plants and their relationship with healing and their relationship with kind of the, the more sort of mystical side of things was something that that was part of my life anyway. You know, partly through wild women that I knew. Uh, and then also the kind of the ecology of growing was part of my life through my sisters and just part of how I, I try and live with the world anyway. But the actual mm-hmm. kind of the folklore and, and the medicinal properties and, and kind of the more intimate and intricate knowledge that came with it, that came as we learned with the plants because, like I said, the plants, this became a conversation. So the plants we were putting in were basically weeds, what would be classed as weeds. They were plants that we were growing on the building site because the estate hadn't been finished when we moved in. So there were plenty of plants growing in the rubble uh, that would have been destroyed. So we kind of rescued them and planted them <laughs> in. So we've got things like oxeye daisy and great mullein and and um, dock leaf and things like that. So we were taking these out of the rubble and, and planting them. My son would go and find them and kind of preciously bring them back to the garden. <laughs> Nettle. Nettle was the first plant to go in.
1: <laughs> so you knew enough to know that these were not just weeds. These were something special. They were medicinal. They were Something to be cultivated. And and an invitation to engage with the natural world because
0: you found this marvelous medicine in them for your body, but also for your spirit and your heart and your creativity. I'm imagining that what was going on in the garden was echoing what was going on within you because these period of years that you were there and tending to that garden, you were also tending to... I know we've spoken about the loss of your sister, but prior to giving birth to your son, which I can't stand it any longer, we have to share that he's he's our godson. We're his bliss mummies. But oh anyway, I can't stand it. I had to share that. <laughs> but prior, prior to we were already knowing you when you were attempting to get pregnant, there was pregnancy loss. So you, you know, mm. you you've got this. Pregnancy loss that happened, and then and then you do get pregnant, and then your While your you're sister pregnant. tragically yeah. dies in this accident. And also, fast forward in this time, seven years after that, your mom passed on after battling mesothelioma. There was much more that even happened during that time within loss. And you were her and your family. You were uh, her primary caretaker. Yeah. Which so
1: just was huge
0: gathering all that because I think it's really important for everyone to understand all of this plus so much more. Uh, you had navigated with grief and love and birth and death and
1: well um, as as well we need to say uh, discovering thankfully in time that your son has diabetes that was going to be um, um, yeah full time care for you as well as everything else, you know, that you were also a creative artist and a poet and a wife and, you know, all of these things. And how have you juggled because I've always seen you wear many hats and um and you don't do coming anything. from you, that's funny. Yeah, I know, I know, is that hilarious? And and, and so the listeners don't yeah.
0: don't see us, they hear us. And Vic will confirm that we always wear hats. Yeah. And our bliss son wears them as well. So.
1: <laughs> and you don't do anything small. You don't do anything half ass you go full in. Uh, whenever you commit yourself to something, whether it's fixing dinner, <laughs> or, mm, or caring so for someone, or writing, or anything, how do you juggle all of these things? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, not that I'm seamless. I mean, it's it incredible. is amazing. Amy's
0: right. You always give your highest and best, and it's beautiful to experience.
1: And, and it seems like to almost to be a natural dance for you, like you just seem to dance with it all.
2: It's what we've got to do.
1: Sometimes on tables.
2: Sometimes on tables, yeah. Not so much these days because <laughs> I might be able to get up to the table, but then I have more difficulty getting down. <laughs> it's not so elegant these days. <laughs> How do you explain what is Natural. In you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I never feel like mm-hmm. I am juggling things. Yeah, I just feel like it's life. It's you know, it, yeah. it's it is my life. It is it's the fabric of it. Mm-hmm. There's been times in my life I've had to learn later on in life about protecting my own boundaries in there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nourishing myself. So yes. that's something that I have had to learn because you know there have been times where where I've depleted that too much. I think I manage it by having um, a very deep and very real wider family around me. So my intimate family that I've created, and my family as well, but also the 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 wild mothers in my life. You know, I'm I'm blessed with a a a lot of care around me that keeps me very real.
1: Mm-hmm. So you bring up the Wild Women Collective and your wild mothers, and uh, we've, we've met some of them. And, you know, I think that is, uh, let's see, it's a conundrum for women because we, I think, naturally love to caretake and to give. And as mothers, you know, that is it's a joy and it's uh, it's part of your role. So having a collective, especially I think of of women who really understand what that feels like, is priceless, is, is such a treasure. How has the Wild Woman Collective uh, fed and supported your spirit? How vital do you think that is for women to have?
2: I don't think I would be the person that I am now without it.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: I mean, we've just just this last weekend, met for our 24th annual gathering. Next year is our silver silver anniversary. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. Wow. 25 oh. years. Incredible. 25 oh. years. <laughs> <laughs> so the shape of it's changed and, and, you know, it does what it's meant to do, which means some people have, have moved on to other parts of their lives and you know, we, we, we've all moved geographically. And, but
1: Maybe we should describe real quick what the Wild Women Collective is.
2: Yeah, I think I would have been 27 <laughs> with all the boldness of being 27. Um, and I'd been through a breakdown or a breakthrough. I don't know, probably both. Mm-hmm. And I'd reached a point in my life where the thing that was wrong with me was actually the thing that was right with me. Mm-hmm. And that allowing myself to be that in the world was probably the thing that, that was going to open up life to me. And like I say the word save me at that time. I mean, I think at 27, I thought I'd only have to yeah. do it once. <laughs> <laughs> oh bliss! <laughs> that innocence. <laughs> um, and I started at the same time, I was working in uh, using poetry um, within mental health services and, and with with service users. Yes, and a lot of people working. A lot of people using those services were women who were were experiencing depression, anxiety. And I found that giving space to share stories and, and, and work creatively with poetry and just save spaces to, to unfold those stories was, was something that was really powerful. So you got these two kind of things that were going on on that side. And I was also reading Clarissa Pinkola Estes' uh, book, Women Who Run With The Wolves. Mm. So that was fitting. And, and spending most of my time going, yes, yes. That's what I think. Why didn't I know that before? Yes, and grabbing uh, my not then husband and going, listen to this, and getting very excited um, and revisiting every fairy story I'd ever read, going, well, why didn't I see that before? <laughs> so, mm. so you put all those things into the cauldron and stir them up, and then I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream, in and I woke up in the morning and I, and I said to my partner, I know what I've got to do. And it was as simple as that. But it was also pre, mm. mainly pre internet days and certainly pre social media days. So I had to draw the posters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was a huge part of you freeing your dream, freeing your dream, but also oh, helping yeah. others yeah. free theirs, mm-hmm. free their voices. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so you were calling the circle, you yeah. were, yeah, you were yeah. calling in the, the collective.
2: Yeah, I put I put the posters out saying, you know, wild women. Bearing in mind this is in rural Cumbria, you know, this is a very right. agricultural, you know, very um, agricultural, very small but disparate community. And I was putting a poster up saying, "Wild women, come and celebrate your wild woman." <laughs> <laughs> and my phone started ringing with people going I found your poster or a friend gave me this and it filled up really quickly and and obviously you know over the years we've talked about that and people said they they came across this poster and it just went and they just thought that's it I have to go that's for me Ugh. so there it was I was stood there in front of of uh, a group of women who are all older than me <laughs> <laughs> and I had wonderful support of one of my sisters at the time to help help set it up. I don't, you know I couldn't have done it without that as well. And I, was, and I invited people to, to come in and share their stories. But you know honestly, my, my foundation belief is that when we're able to be our, our authentic selves in the world, we can create anything. You know, it's like that's when mm-hmm. the magic starts. <laughs> you know, we've got yes. so much energy and power and strength and love and, and courage and, and just all of these things, but we have to have that space to be our authentic selves. So many people lose that along the way through societal mm-hmm. pressures or circumstance or you know, so many reasons, and also because
1: mm-hmm.
2: it can hurt. To live like that in the world,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Yes,
2: it can really hurt. So, you know, I don't. I've done it myself at times, and I don't. I don't see anybody being any less for doing it. Sometimes you just go, hang on a minute. You know, I'm going to put that person deep down uh, and keep them under a few layers of um, furs <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but You know, I think that that the beauty of, of the Wild Women Collective is that it gave all of us that space and over 25 years to have that space, to be authentic, to be witnessed in ourselves, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to grow and to fall and to discover and to be challenged and celebrated and all of these things. It's just a phenomenal thing to have. Mm-hmm. If that's yeah. all I did in my life, that one act of making those posters, and creating that space, fast <laughs> <that's> enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and now it's global. Now you have an yeah. online presence and <laughs> a collective where people can find you.
2: It's wildwomenpress.com. Oh, wildwomenpress.com. The reason it's wildwomenpress okay. is because when, when all those stories started coming together at the end of it, I said, what do people want to do? Should we make a book? And they went, yeah, that would be great. So you know, being twenty seven, I probably would do it now as well. I went, okay, I'll set up a, you know, let's set up a publishing house. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> oh. well, we're, we're fortunate to have copies of so many of those books of poetry, mm. and you know, you're you're hitting on something that I think is so important, and that is that it's important to allow the wildness and the wild growth within ourselves. You know, I think about anywhere on the land, and I know you've you've experienced this growing things in your garden, but where things are next to each other and brushing against each other, they grow more. But what Mm. would you say happens if we try to suppress and control the wild places and growth within ourselves? What happens if we don't allow the wildness?
2: Then I think parts of us wither. I know Mm -hmm. Um, we don't grow as strong we don't flourish for sure and also we start to fight for our mm-hmm. nourishment you know it becomes something that's scarce and so we, we we become defensive of it or we fight against something else for it instead of working with the other thing uh, and I think you yeah. know this is where wild gardening is is a deeply radical and feminist act of <laughs> rebellion <laughs> yes <laughs> cuz it's like wow. you know when we garden wild we're celebrating that wildness we're celebrating that connection and that companionship and we become part of a biodiverse environment where we're not saying oh yes biodiversity and it's some abstract thing that is important because mm-hmm. of ecological things biodiversity is we are part of it you know we're not human beings mm-hmm. looking at biodiversity and going oh what can we do <laughs> our own living structures our own communities are also part of that biodiversity so just as a wild garden thrives better than a controlled one so mm-hmm. a community that allows us to you know express who we are and grow where we need mm-hmm. to grow then that's also a strong and healthy ecosystem.
1: Mm. Well, one of your superpowers uh, is, and you have many, <laughs> that I've always admired and has been a great inspiration to me is your vulnerability mm-hmm. and how you bear your heart and the fullness of it. So raw, so real and unfiltered. And you do that so incredibly all throughout all my wild mothers. You really invite everyone into your heart, into the hardest and the places that want to break open. And, and when you do that, um, you allow seeds of, of growth and beauty to mm-hmm. flourish. Well, you've allowed, and just
0: as the garden soil has to be broken open for things to grow. You've allowed that and you've you found the beauty there. I want to read something that you've written. You say, sometimes we try so hard to cut out the things that do not fit the idealized garden of this life. The loneliness, the loss, the struggle of it all that we forget to see the beauty that it holds. And you have allowed it, which has revealed to you in your healing the beauty of it. And what would you say has grown in the broken ground of grief? What's surfaced there? What's flourished there for you?
2: It's as simple as love. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) If love is ever simple. (laughs) 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 There's something about seeds, okay, so I'm just sort of digressing slightly. But in the garden, because it went over 10 years and we were digging into it, by the time that you know we were reaching a decade, there were flowers growing and plants growing that had resurfaced from that rubble where the seeds mm. had lain dormant. So mm. field scabius is one of them, and that, that can lay dormant for many, many years. A lot of wild flowers, for example, require disturbance. They require the land to be disturbed in order mm, yes. to to grow. So if we left it all calm and peaceful and never touched it, never dug it up, those things Mm -hmm. wouldn't grow.
1: I love that because you do, you incorporate that in the book and you talk about the plants that grow from disturbed ground. And then you, you share a story, you share a part of your life where that is evidence of that.
0: Well, for instance, there's this moment in the book when your mom tells you that you are a great mom and you tell her that you learned it from her and you say. For the soil in that garden was full of stones. It's the love that pushes through. So it does go back to the love. And your love and connection with nature is something that comes through over and over again in this book. And I'm wondering if you would read, I personally wanted to request that you read from that agrimony chapter. And maybe we would just invite the listener to explore the gifts here just by listening to some of the beautiful words you've woven together here.
2: I'd love to. <laughs> so yeah, so as you said the, the chapters each chapter is introduced through a plant and that's just sort of explain that a bit that that's the conversation both with the plant and and the, the the memory and that did exist as a real conversation so plants would come up and I would I would find out about them and then that would that would lead me on to to a memory, but also Mm. in remembering things, I would discover plants in there as well. So agrimony, agrimonia, cocklebur, sticklewort, garclive, fairy's wand. Place under your pillow for a deep and peaceful sleep. Agrimony is associated with protection spells used to help balance the emotions and banish negativity. It is a helpful aid for those who bury feelings deep. Mildly astringent and rich in vitamins B3 and K, iron and niacin, it is commonly used to treat colic, urinary infections, diarrhoea, skin complaints and ulcers. The flowers have a light apricot scent and can be made into a tea tonic or infusion. Agrimony grows abundantly in waste areas, hedgerows and open ground. April's end brings storms and blows the blossom from the blackthorn trees. My son and I sit tight inside, listening to the wind as it sings through the letterbox. When the sun breaks through, we venture outside, like field mice waking from sleep. Do you hear the bedspring bird, I say, listening to the squeak, squeak of the great tit song that signals brighter days. I take up my spade and start to dig into the storm-soaked sod. Over the next two weeks, we weather the seedlings outside bringing them in at night until they are strong enough to stay the cold. Into the soil, we scattered gather seeds of borage, cornflowers, corncockle, poppies. We dig dead nettle and water mint into the bog garden and gather burdock leaves from the beckside below the bridge to lay over as mulch onto the vegetable beds. As they rot, the leaves will improve the soil for future growing. These changes come slowly but what breaks down will give us what we need, balancing out the biodiversity of our backyard from the soil up. Together, we fill each space, each patch of barren earth. And then, we wait. Grief lives with us, but I will not let it claim these days. Each morning, we walk our small and winding paths, the scent of cypress rising under our step. My son hugs his trees and currant bushes, encouraging each living thing to thrive. Under the lengthening light, our garden grows. We welcome rain and sun as gifts and give witness. Slowly, the ground begins to change. Invisible underneath, our winter work feeds the roots. Leaves and stems unfurl, and soon it seems all life is birthing. Bees find us, butterflies and birds, calling curious about this ripening ground, as life arrives, reckless and determined, to grow wild over what was once stone. Mm,
1: Say that last line again.
2: (laughs) Bees find us, butterflies and birds, calling curious about this ripening ground, as life arrives, reckless and determined. To grow wild over what was once stone. Oh, I
1: love it. You have these lines, and and you're so good at the final line. I mean, you really know how to <laughs> punctuate.
0: Well, I just love that the poetic side pours through as well. Oh, gosh. I mean, just so powerfully. And yeah, it just lands. You're right. It's just like, oh mm. such a beautiful thing to feel you at that point. Reclaiming and uh, allowing the regeneration. Well, you and... use
1: you use words like we use these plants as healing bomb. Your words are like a, a healing bomb and a medicinal source for our souls. Mm-hmm. They really are, and they root so deep and they become a part of us. Your whole story and what a fascinating life you've had so far, Mm -hmm. your upbringing with your parents and your siblings and just wild. I mean, it's almost unbelievable that (laughs) some, I mean, everything it's, you. it's this life. I've never heard of a life like this on the road, living, you know, just like a grand adventure. Yeah. These hippie vagabond, you know, but not exactly, but also just, you know, this great family unit, it's like the Von Trapps meet the... <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're the dysfunctional Von Trapps. Meet the Partridge family, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, as, as our friend likes to say, you put the fun in dysfunctional though, right? Oh
2: mm-hmm.
1: man, did you ever.
2: I always used to tease my mum about that because because um, we did live in Switzerland. We did go on walks through the Alps. She did want seven children, but but... Was stopped at six, which was me. Uh, <laughs> well, once you reach we,
1: perfection.
2: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think my sisters and brothers would agree with that. <laughs> but, but she also used to because you know money was a bit tight. Things she she used and and because it was her background, she used to make clothes for us. But they tended to be made out of curtains. <laughs>
1: So, oh wow, so there's a the little 70. gum with the wind in there too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we would have matching clothes. <laughs> oh, so, wow. oh my god. So you've got oh, this my. you've got this troop of, of six children that go down in height from 16 to zero in their middle matches. You know, the
1: Aww. <laughs> and your Hiking mother was such an such an original. I love that, you know, you were in this uh small country town and she decided to mix up the arts and craft show with some nudes that she painted. <laughs> they just didn't really know what to do with her. But, you know, what a great inspiration, you know, and, and and it makes so much sense that, of course, this would be the the fertile ground that you would spring from, you know.
0: Well, you open the book with a bit of Alice Walker, where you shared that in search of my mother's garden, I found my own. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. When you talk about your mother's Mm -hmm. garden, we are talking about the literal garden, but we're talking about something much deeper, aren't we? How has discovering uh, your own garden in search of your mother's garden inspired this book, inspired your journey?
2: Well, I think two things. In in becoming a mother myself and in my mother losing her daughter at the same time, Mm It changed mm-hmm. the point of our relationship, and we we started to discover each other
0: mm-hmm.
2: in a much deeper way, and and also in myself in in discovering myself as a mother, I came to understand her more deeply, and and uh, you know, oh, there are never more points of you know, wishing you could just go back and say, oh, you know what, I get it now, <laughs> get it, I get it, <laughs> and sadly, you know, my mum, my my mother. My mother died. Um, mm-hmm. Not not that long after, but we had seven years of of, um, of that that deep relationship with each other. You know, we were always close. You know, we both had to to go through the pain of 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 some of that relationship, but we came around that and became really close and discovering who she was and. Uh, was such a gift um, and having that time with her at the end of her life as well. But also in in revisiting these memories in the writing of the memoir enabled me to find find her again and find her mm-hmm. in memories that, that initially when I entered into them were full of pain and were memories mm-hmm. that were, were hard memories for me. But what I came away with every time was a sense of of love and a sense of, you know, not just from my mother but from my whole family. Was this sense of love that existed there, as sort of raggle taggle as we were, <laughs> and that that was the garden that that uh, that she grew. We were her little weeds,
0: <laughs> and it's the garden that continues to grow.
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. On
0: so beautifully in in what you've shared. In All My Wild Mothers and how you are gardening the and cultivating the the spirit of your son and yourself and you know your your relationships with your wild women and and your husband and all of these things that are continuing to grow from those seeds that weren't just planted in you, but that you've allowed to continue to spread so i love that we're recording this the week of mother's day Mm. and you have a gorgeous chapter called grape hyacinth that i just think it would be so fitting to read if you'd be willing to share from that one vic grape
2: hyacinth muscari neglectum grape flower starch lilies Carry it in an amulet to help ease grief when a loved one dies. Great hyacinth is linked to Demeter and associated with death and remembrance. The essential oil has long been prized as a component of expensive perfumes. It was used in ancient times as a potpourri or in reeking bundles to help the dead cross into the other world. It has mild stimulant properties when inhaled and the scent was commonly used to rid the home of negative energies. Piacinth grows well in verges, ditches, rubbish tips, and grasslands. A few weeks before my mother died, and long after she had lost the ability to use a pen, she said she had something to confess. "I'm sorry, I haven't written any letters. I know I'm supposed to, for after, but I don't know the right words," she said, crying. I told her it didn't matter. But after she is gone, it feels important to have this trace. I go in search of anything written in her spindly hand. Tidied into drawers and boxes around the house, I find doodled telephone books, grease-spattered recipes and notebooks of lists that catalogue her married life in pounds, shillings and pence. This mundane archive of a life now spent is precious to me. I touch the curled letters, try to conjure her back. Among these things, hidden at the back of the bureau drawer, I found a collection of covers from my school exercise books, each one covered with wallpaper offcuts, the edges tucked in tight. It keeps them safe, she used to say. Onto her neat covers between the doodled love hearts and feminist slogans from my sister's copies of Spare Rib, I wrote out anonymous poems. One day, the literature teacher, who wore a black leather jacket, and rode a Triumph motorbike, helped me back after class. You write very well, she said, as she handed back my book. Inside the pages, she slipped a note. Don't give up. I am here, if any of this is true, she said. I never spoke to her, but I kept the note. Through those years, I scattered words like breadcrumbs in the woods, hoping to be found. My mother never mentioned those lost poems, but here they are, carefully preserved, the changing patterns of wallpaper marking the rings of time. She heard. Now it is my turn to pick up her trail. In another notebook, her familiar looping hand. My epitaph will say she made lovely meals and always had cake ready at tea. I would like to be remembered for other things. My 18th birthday, she gave me a book that she had made when she was 16. Inside its red leather-bound sleeves were poems like By Blake, Yeats, Byron, Frost, written out in perfect calligraphic script. Each one was illustrated in pen and ink and signed with her maiden name. I did not recognise it as her own at first. I thought you could finish it with your poems, she said but I never did. Its pages are yellowing now and neatly penciled lines still waiting for words. I leave them unwritten. Their silence tells me so much about the woman I have known all my life, but will never know. This book, with her hands once shaped from leather and wood, was a baton from her unlived life. Those empty pages left unmarked, the dreams she hid. People are surprised when they learn that my mother was an artist at Vogue. They cannot imagine a past in which this white-haired woman drank hurricanes at the Colony Club and danced in calico petticoats on the Strand. Do you regret giving up your life? They ask, negating all the years of motherhood in between. And even though I called myself a feminist, when I was 13 I did the same. I was studying the suffragette movement at school and returned home angry. She greeted me as she always did with cake and a How was school. I looked at the cake and her apron and her waiting smile and hated her for being complicit in her domestic oppression. Godmum, don't you want to do something meaningful with your life? I shouted. She waited a while for me to calm down, then replied, I am doing something. I am a mother now. Do you want this cake or not? She said. What is the life of a mother measured by? The unseen acts of love go unrecorded. The worth not recognised until the weight of what is lost is felt like a sea rock in the hand. I wrap the notebook and the receipts and the little journal scraps into the remnants of an old patchwork skirt to be kept safe. These are the letters that she lived. My pen taps impatiently from the past, seeks to write onto the sleeve notes of our lives before the words have gone for good. I want to tell her that I see, and I remember, all those small acts of love that make a life. These were the gifts she gave of herself every day, and in each one she scattered the seeds of her dreams. What a garden she made for our own.
0: That is so precious. So precious.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) We're in tears. (laughs) (sighs) So precious. Those seeds you planted are still growing through you. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Thank you for putting that into words. I I wonder what you would say to the listener about, because I know you
0: didn't intend for this to be a book you were writing. And thank God you did, because I know that had to be so healing for you to just let those things come up and, and get poured out on the page. But who do you deeply hope this book reaches? And what do you most hope grows within the reader?
2: Hmm. You've used the word in there, hope. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, on the, on the front cover of the book is the, the motif of the illustration of a dandelion go th- going through its life cycle. And to me, that, that's what this book is. It's kind of these, it's this dandelion with its seeds and it's blowing out there into the world. And <laughs> I hope it finds the soil that it needs to be in. Um, I hope it takes root in some of those broken places mm. and nourishes, because, you know, when a dandelion grows, it starts to heal the soil.
1: So,
2: <laughs> mm. you know, it, it, it says motherhood lost in an apothecary garden, you know. It is what it says on the tin, <laughs> but it's <you> know, <laughs> so much more. Um, and I don't think it's exclusive to, you know, those of people who have experienced being mothers. I think that it it's there for anybody who needs needs a space in that garden and nourishment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I also like to think you get two books for the price of one as well because you're going get a guide <laughs> to all the plants. Yeah, I like value. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Well, it's, I love that the plants were speaking to you and were informing your spirit and inspiring you, nurturing and nourishing you and just lighting, lighting a fire of, of, of introspection and of a voice within that wanted to, to speak. So you're speaking for the plan, says your own story, and it becomes a healing balm. Like I said, your words are. And, you know, like you, when you talked about um, one of the chapters talking about your mother's funeral, when she passes and the, the herb that you lead this chapter with is, is tufted vetch, which is uh, used, vetch is used to bind a spirit to this realm, and it was traditionally used to increase milk production for lactating mothers. Just to think about that, it also it, it creates its own nitrogen. So it's, it's feeding and, and nourishing as well. And it, again, tufted vetch grows well in disturbed habitats, waste ground, and roadside ditches. And this must be what the soil of your soul felt like at your mother's funeral. And to just weave all of this into the emotional, psychological, physical, and spiritual realms, it's so sensual and it's so holistic, you know, it's so in- completely inclusive. It's so powerful how you end the chapter with, and so it is done. The man from the funeral home cuts my mother from her clothes folds them neatly and leaves them on the end of the bed. Then he wraps her body back and wheels her on the gurney past the breakfast table where my son is eating his toast and takes her away. When the van drives away, I wave like a child, not looking away until it is out of sight. She will not come home. I go back inside and pack my bag. It starts to rain and does not stop.
2: Oh, could you read my whole book to me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say, it's just, it's such heart opening and, and visceral. It's, you really feel like you're just right there in the moment. You have such a gift for bringing the moment alive On every level. And and you share those gifts. You know, you didn't squander any of it. It's
0: one of those things. You get a choice. You could have stayed stuck. You could have stayed rubble, And you let yourself break open. You let the light in. And you've let all this goodness grow in the broken ground of grief. And we all are better for it. It took a lot of courage. I love how you, your son and our bliss son says, well, tell them, how does he define courage?
2: Ah, This is when he was very little and it stayed with me ever since that courage is hope mixed with love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, of course, it is. It's it's the heart. Yeah, Yeah. that's right.
1: There's a song in there. And courage (laughs) is to have heart.
0: And you've allowed your heart to feel, you've allowed it to reveal, and you've allowed it to heal. And all of that has been extended to us, the reader, for our own journeys, for the cultivating and nurturing of
1: our own wild places. And and despite the hard places, you are that dandelion that refuses not to bloom. I will bloom. I will find the light. You're planted. Yeah. And surviving this heartbreaking losses and thriving through um, really a difficult disease with your son and then finding yourself with your own genetic illness and refusing to let those things stop you from, from living uh, the fullness of your heart and your soul. And you just, you use it, like we said, like uh, you would to feed the soil with fertilizer, you just turn that hard stuff into something that's just going to fuel more growth. And we do have a, a question from one of our, our members and Renee, you want to share it?
0: I would I would be honored to. Well, she's dear to us both. She is Debbie Donnellan. She is a member of Caravan of the Heart, but she's family to us and she's family to you and she's, family, to uh, your son as a bliss Nana. And she has a question for you, Vic. She asks, are you planning a follow-up book? She says, I would like you to write with such stabbing intensity about your battle with your son's diabetes and with your vampire disease. It would close the circle you started in this book and would help me with mine.
2: (laughs) Uh, my vampire disease <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe we should explain that. that yeah <laughs> yeah just in case people have this image of me after you mentioned the, the fire and the, and the and the velvet they may think I invited you for different reasons <laughs> there was candlelight well, you, you are timeless <laughs> you, you, you are immortal and you've never been uh-huh. a pain in our neck so I don't think there's <laughs> any um. So vampire disease is, is genetic hemochromatosis. It's more common in in those with Celtic descent uh, so it it's where the body can't process can't uh, regulate the absorption of iron into the body. it doesn't produce the thing that needs to 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 regulate the absorption of iron. so my body basically just absorbs iron and absorbs it and has been doing so since it was born, so I am literally rusting <laughs> and the only the only way to reduce the iron is a a lifelong removal of blood in a process called venisection so I have to go to the hospital regularly and they have to take a few pints out and then my body is forced to grab some of those reserves of iron or excess of iron that's around it that's depositing itself all over places that it shouldn't be to make new blood cells. So that's why it's a vampire mm-hmm. disease. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I I can't say whether I'm planning a follow-up book because rather like with all my wild mothers, I'm, I kind of write and then it, it, it takes its shape. But Perfect. I think from the point that I left off at the end of all my wild mother's you know, after a decade passing, you know, our lives have changed again. We've uprooted again. We've moved, we've moved home. To Orkney. To Orkney, yes. To the far north, (laughs) surrounded by a very (laughs) different landscape of sea and and stone. And and I am learning again to be present. And Mm. I've reached another point in my life, you know, I'm in my fifties and it's, and i've got a body that is not so stable um that is experiencing its own own rusting so it is something that i'm exploring in my writing and in my thinking and in my being is how do i how do i inhabit this this changing landscape how do i inhabit mm-hmm. a body that is not what i expected it to be and is no longer stable, no longer predictable. And how do I inhabit a body that that changes the way I have to live? You know I mean I, in, in all my wild mothers, the relationship very much was of caring for, you know caring for my son, um, being the experience, experiencing chronic illness through the role of being a carer and a mother. And now that is still there in my life, but I'm experiencing it in my own body and in my own life.
0: I think that this is a perfect segue into how we usually wrap up our conversations. I love that when we asked you things that you might want to talk with us about today, one of the things you said is you'd like to talk about what it is to care for another human being, for ourselves, for the planet, and What you were just speaking about there brings us to our first question, and you were just starting to answer that. And usually, how we ask this is, "How are you taking care of yourself right now?" But today, I want to ask it like this: How are you taking care of the garden of yourself right now?
2: (laughs) Well, in the same way as you know that garden, the garden I had before was was an echo or a metaphor or a manifestation of me. The garden I have now is <laughs> very different. The soil underneath, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about real garden here. We've got a tiny little garden at the back. The soil underneath is really rich <laughs> and is really loved, really tended and nurtured, mm. but kind of a bit neglected on the top. <laughs> and so I've been digging in that and, and I'm beginning to plant a new garden. And I've had to sit Ooh. with it and, and listen again um, from scratch and you know, nothing growing in it from scratch and and listen to how it wants to grow. And that's what I'm having to do right now is, you know, sit with myself and listen again. Because so much mm. of my life, what's precious and the journey of it has been poured into all my wild mothers. And now I'm in this new place. So I'm listening. That's how I'm taking care of myself at the moment. and How I'm taking care of my own garden is sitting in it and listening and and uh, planting and my husband would say come on you're not telling the truth right now you threw a whole <laughs> load of seeds in and you have no idea what's going to grow <laughs> 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 he said we were having a conversation about it and he said uh, he said you know what he said you've got a style he said you basically you just like I'm going to throw the seeds, I'm going to throw the seeds and I'm going to see what grows and then it's going to show me its shape and then I might take a little bit out here and add a little bit in there and then it's like, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? That's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's how you juggle. You just see what's growing and you just continue yeah. to grow from there. I love that. Yeah, feed and feed what wants to flourish. Yeah. See how it's all how it's all wanting to reach the light and to reveal itself. Well, our second question that we ask is how are you taking care of others? So how are you tending to the garden of those around you?
2: Ah. Uh, well, my son is now 15. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable!
0: You don't accept it. Whole, so handsome.
2: <laughs> no, that's a whole new journey. So you know, yeah. I'm I'm tending his garden by learning to to step back, yeah, and learning to let it be what it wants to be, which I think I've always done. Mm. But it's a different relationship. Right. Uh it's amazing, you know, it, it's you know, it's it's that tree that takes fifteen years to grow and grows its first fruit, and you go, Wow, I didn't realise it was that. <laughs> I thought it was like a tree <laughs> <and it's> apricot. <laughs> so I'm kind of continuous continuously surprised. <laughs>
1: So, would you say it's it's similar then to to listening and to how the garden wants to grow? That's how it is with caring for others around us is listening to them to see how we can best uh, tend and nourish those around us and allow us. them
0: to grow wild. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and to and to recognize when not to um, mm-hmm. when not to step in. You know, and it is about letting certain, letting others, letting others grow in their own shape and space. Mm. Um, mm. Providing nourishment and nurturing is one thing. And then it's like letting them grow, however, you know? <laughs> it's like, we might have an idea. So I'm going to give this this nurturing and this nourishment and it's going to flourish into this. No, it's going to take its own way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like one of these. Uh, Rooted plants that you think is going to grow up next to your house and grows, you know, three meters away because it's changed its its course. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's got to be a really difficult part of motherhood when you've been so close and so intertwined Deported in and... in each other's lives to step back and to say, now my mothering is to be done over here well it's like the mama
0: bird in the yeah. nest watching the little ones try to make that first flight and they may land on the ground and flop around but you can't put
1: them on your back and fly them mm-hmm, around no, or eventually they, won't learn they to figure
0: it out and you're allowing that and as two people who adore him and mm-hmm. get so inspired by all he's creating he's soaring and you've You've been You've,
1: s- such a wonderful, oh, amazing. You are such a wonderful mother mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. Well, I like, I like to,
2: thank you. <laughs> I like to think it is about that scene though, isn't it? You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, when, when he was born and because of everything I was going through, I really had no way of seeing his future. I couldn't comprehend of it because I, the grief mm-hmm. wouldn't let me trust in any future. Uh, so I couldn't see it, and it's something that stuck. It was a difficult thing then, but now it's it's something quite wonderful because every day mm. is kind of a new discovery. Um, but it is that you know we plant the seed and we trust that it will grow. You know I trust that the mm. you know I trust that the soil that I I I gave in the early years will provide nourishment, will be good soil to grow in. And I know yeah, it's amazing have, soil you know, to grow in. He's uh, it's, have, it's, it's got a, stones in it. <laughs> it's, it's got <laughs> stones in it for sure. But I trust well, that. It's but there. all the time so, that he's
0: spent with you in the garden, he knows how to how to shift those stones and allow the fertile place again and, and so, to root deep. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, Vic. It's such a precious thing.
2: That thing about amour, you know, which is what he used to call manure. Amour, amour. It's like turning it back <laughs> into love. <That's laughs> if, right. taught, if I've shared anything, maybe it's that we've shared it with each other. <laughs> anyway, he's taught me <laughs> more than I've taught him.
1: <laughs> mm, he is incredibly wise, and always in, in has the book, been an old soul. From is the some beginning. of the best parts of the book is his like Yoda wisdom. I mean, out of the mouth <laughs> of babes. No. To be Seriously, season. he is you know from another realm of beauty and wisdom. And yeah, it's it's so incredible what he says uh throughout the book and shares. And, and such a discoverist.
0: And mm-hmm. all of that has been cultivated in him. You all mm-hmm. have really allowed him to mm-hmm. to grow and to thrive and explore and and I know he's doing that in big ways now and gonna make a big difference as you have. Mm. On this planet, which brings me to our last question. And that is, how are you taking care of the garden of this earth?
2: Well, well I hope just by being who I am in the world does that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it goes back to that being our authentic self. You know, I can't go on marches. My body won't let that happen. But I can write and I can talk and I can share. So, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing what I can do. To connect people with with the earth, connect people with yes. the wild and nature. Yes. So that's sort of what I'm putting out there. And then in my own life, I try to make sure that I do as little harm as possible, really, and mm-hmm. and remember mm-hmm. that I am part of, like I said, part of that that biodiverse world. You know, so yes. I I rely on it to survive. You know, in, in practical terms, we live on on an island surrounded by sea, and uh, you know where the usual commerce, you know, consumerism is not so mm-hmm. evident. Mm. So we don't have a lot of chains. There's no, you know, the chain stores, and and uh, you know you can't just order things online and get them delivered straight away and things. So, so <laughs> you know, it's it's. About 70% of what we consume is locally grown or made, which is great, you know, and hopefully in time that will become more than that because hopefully in time our own garden will start to create. My little secret wish is to find a little bit of ground that I can rent maybe off of somebody that I can create a new apothecary garden in the northernmost it would be. I see that happening. <laughs> That's my little wish out into the world.
0: <laughs> and there's another little wish that we want to put out there because yes, we're going to envision this one too, Vic. But Vic, we are really envisioning you finding a U.S. publisher for All My Wild Mothers. If anyone's listening and you have been fed and feel what is possible in your growth and in sharing the goodness of this book with others to help them grow the gardens of of their spirits and their hearts, then we're putting out there that Vic is going to find a U.S. publisher so she mm-hmm. can reach U.S. audiences. And come and, over here
1: and tour so we can oh, see them. Yes, please. <laughs> For those of you yeah. all who uh, are in the <laughs> Kentucky area, you know, they were the resi- artists in residence at Bernheim Forest. An arboretum <laughs> yes. And Arboretum. Yes. Nature
0: Preserve in our, in our home state of Kentucky. And so we see you coming here and touring Mm -hmm. and,
1: and sharing this book that is, people are so hungry for this right now. It's the perfect combination of healing your soul and healing the soil and letting us really connect again to the earth, and to our own inner nature. It resonates with everyone. Mm
0: -hmm. You can experience this regeneration within yourself. Mm -hmm. Find your resiliency and just radiate like our blessed sister, Vic Bennett. Vic, we are so grateful that we've had this time with you and uh, just so grateful for the connection that we have and that we have had
1: over the years and look forward to growing older and better with you. Incredibly grateful for your voice in the world. And thank you so much for trusting it and for sharing it uh, with all of us and for connecting to the non-human world and to the plant world and understanding how we all feed each other and, and, and weaving that together into and, and such an exquisite web of, of healing, of hope. Called All My Wild Mothers, a memoir of motherhood, loss, and an apothecary garden by Victoria Bennett, the one and only, our Vic. Mm. Thank you so much for being with us today, Vic.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been, oh, it's been soul nourishing. Really has. Mm. (laughs) I was feeling a little Mm. unsteady today, and this has just filled me, filled my cup. (laughs) You have have, given me great manure. <laughs> amor, amor. amor, amor. Well holy amor.
1: shit. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> you be <been> great. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> oh, well, we are we are wild about you, mother, and this incredible book that you've put out into the world. So we're gonna let everyone know how to get it. We're gonna find a U.S. publisher so that everyone can meet you and you can sign their copies. We're gonna have a grand reunion
0: and help spread the word and share your book and your story. And
1: I hope <sighs> everyone's inspired to to look into the the rubble of of their hearts and find what can grow there, and also the rubble in their backyard and realize that there's potential there. There's great potential for beauty, growth, and healing, and that's what. Victoria Bennett is all about. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vic.
2: Take care. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: How sweet was it to be with our Bliss sister? Oh my God. She's so inspiring. She's incredibly inspiring. Such a brilliant writer and such a raw open heart and I mean, I knew she was an incredible cook, but I had no idea that she was <laughs> cooking this up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cook, and, and such an amazing herbalist, you know, knowing and, and getting to know uh, the myths, the stories behind these plants and, and weaving it so beautifully into the story of her life and her heart's journey is really such a brilliant and exquisite way to express what it means to be human on this planet. And to grow in the hard places, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, it's such inspiration to hear her story and experience her sharing Mm -hmm. what happened intimately in her life in the ways was a lot of tragedy, Mm -hmm. a lot of loss, Mm -hmm. a lot of dark times. But she allowed in those broken open places to continue to let seeds fall wherever they wanted to scatter and just see what would grow there. She let the light in. She continued to garden her spirit mm-hmm. through these difficult times and mm-hmm. has grown such beauty
1: and well, she really is like the dandelion on the cover of her book, <laughs> All My Wild Mothers. Because, you know, dandelions, they they actually feed the soil nutrients and they grow in the hard places, in the places you wouldn't expect life to flourish because she's just so determined to bloom and to reach for the light and dandelions are where we make wishes yes. and she's
0: she's a wish maker and, and she's scattering hope mm-hmm. and extending hope to mm-hmm. all of us mm-hmm. who have the great opportunity to read this book mm-hmm. to take it into our hearts and spirits to find our own regeneration and resilience yes, and healing yeah well we encourage you to please go Find yourself a copy yes. of All My Wild Mothers, Motherhood Loss in an Apothecary Garden. You can find everything about Vic on victoriabennett.me. She's also on Twitter at Vic, and that's with a K, V I K B E E Wild W Y L D, and on Instagram at Be Wild. She also has a link tree. That's Be Wild. And you can find all of this on her website. Right.
1: And wild is spelled with a Y. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And we are so envisioning her finding a U.S. publisher. Yes. And touring here with her book and coming for a time of reunion. And we would get to see our bliss son.
1: Oh, my gosh. Our bliss sister and our bliss brother. And more people would be able to be given this space to really kind of feel and grow and express their grief, to open their hearts. It's a fertile soil uh, for the soul. And it's a precious, mm -hmm. precious
0: offering that she's extended. It's written with grace. It's written eloquently. It's written uh, with humor and sweetness. Tender transparency. It is such a fertile place. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for this time
1: that we had. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because she's taking care of herself. She's taking care
0: of the garden of others,
1: mm. and she's taking care of this sacred earth. She's following her heart, freeing all her dreams,
0: and never ever dismissing her bliss. That's she's right, state of blissful, and mm-hmm. our bliss sister. And she's so loved, <sighs> and so are you.
1: You are love. Psst. Before you go, if you enjoyed the show and our guests, please share this far and wide. Get ride. Right. Subscribe. If you want to uplift, give a gift. Join this caravan and collect all the treasures. We are grateful beyond measure for this journey with, with the, the awe, awe of y'all. y'all. Caravan of the Heart
0: is made possible by listener support. Your donation furthers our vision and keeps this caravan moving. If you enjoy and appreciate our work, we offer the invitation for you to support this podcast through a monthly membership that helps Caravan of the Heart be financially sustainable. This caring Caravan of the Heart community is empowering this outreach. Will you join us? You can also contribute with a one-time donation. Any amount helps Your belief in our mission is empowering us to amplify love in all things and the voices of those who do
1: for this planet and its people.